Gospel, the gospel reading for this morning is taken from Matthew's gospel, beginning in the fourth chapter at the first verse. In keeping with our game show theme, <clears throat> I think this is the devil playing let's make a deal with Jesus. <clears throat> and it goes like this. Next, Jesus was taken into the wild by the Spirit for the test, and the devil was ready to give it. And Jesus prepared for the test by fasting 40 days and 40 nights. And that left him, of course, in a state of extreme hunger, which the devil took advantage of in the first test. Since your God's son, speak the word that will turn these stones into loaves of bread. And Jesus answered by quoting Deuteronomy, it takes more than bread to stay alive. It takes a steady stream of words from God's mouth. For the second test, the devil took him to the holy city, and he sat him on top of the temple and said, Since you are God's son, jump. And the devil goaded him by quoting Psalm 91. He's placed you in the care of angels. They will catch you so that you won't so much as stub your toe on a stone. And Jesus countered with another citation from Deuteronomy. Don't you dare test the Lord your God. And for the third test, the devil took him to the peak of a huge mountain, and he gestured expansively, pointing out all the earth's kingdoms, how glorious they all were. And then he said, they're yours, lock, stock, and barrel. Just go down on your knees and worship me, and they're yours. And Jesus' refusal was curt, beat it, Satan. And he backed his rebuke with a third quotation from Deuteronomy. Worship the Lord your God and only him. Serve him with absolute single-heartedness. And the test was over, and the devil left, and in his place, angels, angels came and took care of Jesus' needs. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. <clears throat> Would you pray with me, please? On this journey of life, O oh God, may we find rest in you. Give us direction for the journey, we pray, and the friends for the traveling, and for the companionship of the Spirit who leads us in the way we are to walk. We thank you. Open our ears, hearts, and minds to your word for us this day. Amen. Guy spends his whole life in the desert, and he decides to come visit a pen pal friend. He'd never seen a train before or the tracks they run on. And while walking down some tracks on the way to see his friend, he hears a whistle, but he has no idea what it is. So he just stands there. And sure enough, he's hit by the train. Now, luckily, it was only a glancing blow. And the guy was thrown head over heels to the side of the tracks, and he came out with just a few minor cuts and scrapes and bruises along with a broken leg. After about a week in the hospital recovering, he's at his friend's house one evening, and while in the kitchen, he suddenly hears the tea kettle whistling, and he grabs a baseball bat from a nearby closet and proceeds to batter and bash the tea kettle into an unrecognizable lump of metal. His friend rushes into the kitchen, sees what's happened, and asks the man, why did you ruin my good tea kettle? And the guy who'd grown up in the desert replied, man, you got to kill these things while they're small. 
know, we just read one of the few stories in Jesus' life in which there are no eye or ear witnesses. Now, I need you to think about that for a minute. So how did Matthew or any of the other Jesus' disciples, for that matter, know about the temptation in the wilderness unless Jesus told them about it? At some point during his ministry, he told the disciples about the time that he spent in the desert battling temptation in a showdown with the tempter. And it's important for us to know that Jesus openly shared with his followers about the struggles that he faced. Because this story reminds us of Jesus' humanity. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus was hungry. I think we have a real tendency to minimize the humanity of Jesus. Songs have been written about him with lines like, The little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. This is the image some have of him. So divine that he never cried as a child, never skinned his knees, worked as a carpenter and never drove a crooked nail, all because he was divine. He went through life, you see, floating on a little white cloud about six feet off the ground. But that is not the Jesus of Scripture. His experience was as one of us. He was fully us. And the fact that he shared our temptations and the fact that he knew what it was to be hungry, I think help us to identify with him. It also allows, allows us to read this story as instructional. How can we face those same kinds of temptations in the same powerful way? You know, folks, even good people are tempted Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the tempter. He was led by the Spirit. He was doing exactly what God wanted, would have him do. And he's still faced with temptation. You know, we have a tendency to think that when we face temptation, God has abandoned us or there's something wrong with us or we've done something to deserve God handing us over to these situations. But the truth is, everyone is tempted and temptation often attacks you where you are the weakest, where you are the most vulnerable. After being alone in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, the tempter shows up and says, Hey, since you're God's son, speak the word that will turn those stones into loaves of bread. And food was probably the most tempting thought to Jesus. He was hungry. It became time for Jesus to mine the depths of his faith, and perhaps to understand a bit better the power of only God's word to really sustain him. In his first temptation, Jesus is being asked to use his status to meet his personal needs. And in refusing, Jesus cites the first of the three scripture tests he will use to battle temptation. It takes more than bread to stay alive. It takes a steady stream of the words of, from God's mouth. This is from Deuteronomy. He uses his knowledge of scripture to speak in the face of temptation. It reveals to us how deeply embedded scripture is in the heart and mind of Jesus. A hiding place becomes exposed. The answer speaks to the truth that human life is not dependent on satisfying physical needs alone. 
What is more important than mere food, Jesus says, is remaining obedient to the word of God. We too are tempted to turn our stones into bread. We're tempted to use our special status, our special gifts, to obtain benefits solely for ourselves. We seldom consider the impact these actions would have on others or on God's plans for the world. Are we guilty of using our gifts and our blessings solely for our own benefit? Next to Jerusalem we go, to the pinnacle of the temple. Since you're God's son, just go ahead and jump. And this time he amps it up a bit by quoting scripture as well from Psalm 91. He's placed you in the care of angels. They'll catch you so you won't so much as stub your toe on a stone. And Jesus counters with another scripture of his own, Deuteronomy 6.16. Don't you dare test the Lord your God. And Jesus asserts that his faith is such that he need not test God's grace with foolish actions. Putting God to the test, that is putting requirements on our faithfulness, checking up on the power and presence of God in our life. Does your faith have faith? Or is it really only as strong as the last demonstration of God's power you can pinpoint in your journey? Faith is faith because it does not demand that God perform on cue, because it believes God's promises, because it accepts that God's presence is always at hand, no matter what our circumstances or challenges. And then finally, the tempter took Jesus to the peak of a huge mountain. He pointed out all of earth's kingdoms and promised them to Jesus if he would just bend a knee and worship the tempter. And Jesus spoke scripture words once again, worship the Lord your God and only him. Serve him with single-heartedness. Worshiping and serving a power other than God. That is, giving final authority and ultimate control to a force, an individual, a group, or an ideal in our life other than the word and world of God. And the tempters that attempt to steal God's authority in our world today rarely have horns and pointy tails. Instead, we worship and give our primary allegiance to such gods as building up our social status, satisfying our craving for new and ever more thrilling experiences, believing that more is always better, needing to feel in control, in charge, on top of the heap at all times. We're guilty of having been successfully tempted into worshiping all of these demanding devils, leaving service to God and devotion to God's authority in our lives way on the back burner. And to every temptation, Jesus responded with the word of God. He just walked right out on it. He responded by saying, it is written. So you don't have to be fearful in the face of temptation. You can confront it boldly and biblically, and remember, you're not confronting it on your own strength, but in God's strength and the strength of God's word. I really believe that this time of temptation was really important for Jesus. He truly discovered that God would hold him up in every circumstance, and that God's word was an anchor that would hold him fast. I believe it allowed Jesus to better understand that he should not be afraid to venture out armed only with the sense of direction that God provides. 
because the word had become a part of the rhythm of his life to the point that no matter where he found himself, he was able to focus on the centrality of that word for him, even among shifting tides and powerful storms. It was hidden in the depths of his heart and soul and mind. Augustine wrote that each of us has an empty place in our hearts that is in the shape of God. And that means that nothing and no one else can fill it. And this empty space, it's not a square hole or anything as simple as that, but a complex hungering, a God-shaped space where only God fits and only God can fill. And try as we might to fill that space with other things, human relationships, careers, earthly success, you name it. Sooner or later, they will leave us unsatisfied. What we long for is really something else and something more. So as we begin our Lenten pilgrimage together, may we also commit to the recognition of the tempter and the power of the knowledge of the word in our own lives to hold us up and keep us ever on the right path. Because these temptation things, you got to kill them while they're small. Keep the faith. Amen.